So, Father, we, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the fellowship that we have in Christ. And, and <clears throat> Lord, we lift up these prayer requests to you. But, Lord, we lift them up as the body of Christ gathered together in Jesus' name with the full authority that you've given us as your body. Lord, with the authority that you've given us as your kingdom agents in the church age. So, Father, we're praying in Jesus' name, and we're praying in faith. We're praying according to your word, God, that, that not only, Lord, have you given us new life. It's not your will that any should perish. And so, Lord, we pray in faith for salvations, but, Lord, we also pray for victory. Your word says that sin shall not have dominion over us, so we can pray against addiction. We can pray against people who are deceived and being led into the world. We can pray against discouragement and division. God, we can, in Jesus' name, come before you and lift these things up with great faith. God, I, I, I look around the room and I just see all the lives that, Lord, you've been at work. You've been blessing. You've been leading and guiding and growing us and providing for us. And Lord, there's challenges, but God, here we are. So Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you have your way in our hearts and minds this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so before we move on, I had a couple of thoughts about these announcements. So, so, so one thought is this. It would be super cool, you know, like if someone, maybe you're not on the food team where you're bringing something every month, but if you've got that one breakfast dish that you make every year for Thanksgiving or whatever, like your specialty, like I think Marla could, could work it out where you could just do that like, like twice a year, bring your famous whatever. I don't even know what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? Your, your favorite dish. For Tim, it's lasagna. Nick can make cook. I don't know. You make probably beans or so. Like I don't even know. Like like what what it is. I'm just throwing it out there. If you've got a magic favorite special dish, you ought to just get on the schedule to do that once or twice a year. And if ten people do that, like that's that's just good love. Loving one another by bringing your breakfast casserole, whatever. So just a just a thought on that one. Um, then I I did it to myself. Started talking about food and I got distracted. Huh? Visitors, we've got the fries with us. Fries with us. See, I was like, the fries with us. So welcome. I think we have the most diverse class in the church. Like we've got Germany and Nigeria and Kazakhstan and Bosnia and Egypt and Kenya. We've got um, Jordan, Lebanon. We've got half a Greek from Tarpon Springs, Florida, right? Okay. Um, Missourians. 
We've got male, female. We've, the one area we don't have a lot of diversity in is age. Som I'm in Somalia. Uh, sorry, Somalia. Am I missing any others? Arizona. Um, and some of our younger people are missing. We're missing Rokus and Wasam, and we're actually missing several. We're missing Christine. We're missing Aaron and Jenny and Bill and Paula. We're missing a lot this morning. So be in prayer. Try to stay connected with people because if you're not here, you kind of miss out on the encouragement that just comes from fellowship. So, so if you're thinking, man, where's just like, let's reach out to the people that aren't here. So they're missing, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We want to continue to, to do that. Absolutely. So, so reminder, let's go here to the next slide. This is just a reminder. Now, it doesn't look like this, but, but in two weeks, we're moving to the basement of Meyer. So at that point in time, we want to bring the tables back. Shelly's like, hallelujah. And then we want to, um, this is going to give us room to grow. When everybody's here, we're kind of maxed out in this room. So this is going to give us room to grow. Yes. Yep. Yes. Are you talking about in the next two weeks? Like, yeah, I think they're still building this wall. I don't, I don't know where they're at. I was gone this week. We went on vacation, but we'll have to see where they're at. But yeah, we need, we'll need to get in there and set up and, and uh, I can talk to him and, or you talk to him and let me know. So, huh? Well, what, there's going to be a room right here. I'm sorry, a wall right here, dividing this up into two big rooms for the time being, because we don't have this actually through the city, because that takes like forever. I don't know, Paul, how it works, but it's just, it takes forever. So we don't have time to wait because Kidtown is overflowing. So we're going to move anyway. We're going to put a temporary wall right in here. And I've told Pastor Mata, you guys, they're already meeting in that space now. I told him you can have whatever side you want. There's going to be servants, Philippians chapter two, and we'll take the other side. So I don't know if we're going to be over there or over here. Doesn't matter a lot. So, but anyway, so next week after living well class, we'll go down there. We'll walk down there and take a look. So everybody will know where it is and, and what we're looking at. But I'm actually excited. Like I said, it's going to give us room to grow. And I think we are kind of primed for, for growth right now as a class. Now, in saying that, I, I remembered my other announcement that I wanted to touch base on. The summer classes for LFBI include the class formerly known as D2, okay, which is now Foundations 2 and 3. If you've been through discipleship, you have to take foundations two and three before you can disciple others. So you have your head around the information. Okay, the, the, what discipleship two uh, or foundations two and three gives you then is like part of it, half of it is like how to disciple. So if you haven't, if you've been through discipleship, but you're not discipling yet, if you haven't taken foundations two and three, you want to, 
take that so that you can disciple. Now, um, it's offered as a summer course right now. So you can take it kind of at your own pace, virtually asynchronous. That means it's, it's, you don't have to show up at class time. So for us who've got jobs and busyness and everything, this would be an ideal time to take that. So just throw that out there. <clears throat> so, okay. All right. So let's go on here. Arabic Fellowship launches in two weeks. So that's awesome and horrible at the same time. It's like your kids moving out. It's awesome, but horrible. Living Well class is going to move to Lower Meyer, and we'll take that tour next week. Okay, sound good? Any questions about that? Yes. Yes. Blankets. Yeah, no, that's good. We'll get cured pork, hardtack, blankets, uh, <laughs> water. Uh, yeah, there's there's already there's there's like eighty five inch TVs in the room. So, yeah, well, well let me. Uh, see what like i've been gone all week so i haven't actually walked down there in, in a week so i don't know where they're at and then um we may not want to move everything down there we'll have to just kind of wait and see what our storage down there looks like and all that so okay all right open your bibles to the book of ruth okay and we'll move on here so we're going to ruth we're going to start with a review so if you were here, if you've been with us, you will remember, this is going back a few weeks, that famine okay, was a consequence of Israel turning away from God in the days when the judges ruled. Now, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 is set when the judges ruled. You see that in the first phrase there. Okay, so, so let's go to the next slide here. Deuteronomy's the second giving of the law. It's given in a spiritual way, appealing to people's hearts, not just like do this. Okay. So God set before them blessing and a curse when he set before them the law. If you keep it, it's a blessing. This is my way of living. It results in blessing, God said. But if you don't keep it, one of the things that will happen is these, these famines, these droughts. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The famine was part of the consequences of people not doing things God's way. Now, you could say it was chastisement. It's a consequence of not doing things God's way. You guys remembering me, with me on this? Okay, so now next verse. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us we are not to despise the chastening of the Lord. We're not supposed to grow weary of his correction. Well, why not? Chastening is horrible. No one likes to get spanked, right? I mean, it's just like bad by definition. Here's, here's why you don't despise it. Here's why you don't grow weary of it. Because God's doing it because he loves you. For, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father 
the son in whom he delighteth. So a son delights, a father delights in his son. I love my sons, but there were times I spanked their butts. Why? Because they were doing things that was bad for them. They were doing things that was going to cause harm and result in, 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 in hurt. So I disciplined them, but I did it out of love, not out of anger or hate. Now, Elimelech despised the chastening of the Lord. When the famine came, he didn't repent. He didn't humble himself. Instead, he left the place of famine and went to Moab. Okay, so, so next slide. This is God rebuking out of love. Okay, so, so you get corrected, you get chastised. But then the goal is thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work. So, so in other words, the, the spanking is to stop the negative behavior and bring this child back to a place of blessing. That's what the famines were. Okay, that's what the judgment was for. It was to bring them back to a place of blessing during the time when the judges ruled. And if you've read through Judges, you saw that cycle happen again and again and again and again. Okay, so that's by way of review. This morning, we're in the book of Ruth, verses 19 through 22. This is what we read. So they too, who are we talking about? Which Naomi and Ruth, yep went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call you me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, as her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. What we see in these verses is Naomi's returning home. She's coming home to all places, to Bethlehem. But she returns empty and bitter, but she brings Ruth with her. So we need to see what we're supposed to see out of this passage this morning. There's things from a doctrinal, historical, and personal application of Scripture that we can learn from. But I want to present some things, and then we'll just talk about it in terms of some small group time, what God is showing you this morning. So first of all, the events in Ruth chapter 1. We just finished Ruth chapter 1. The events in this, in this chapter picture the next seven books of the Bible. Ruth chapter 1. The events that happen in this chapter picture the next seven books in your Bible. All right, so let's look at that. So first of all, in terms of Bethlehem, you know about Bethlehem. That's called the house of bread, is what that literally means. Elimelech means God is king. And Naomi, that word, her name means beautiful, pleasantness, or favor. So that's the situation at the beginning of this book. They're in 
Bethlehem. They're in, they're in the promised land, the place given to them by inheritance. They didn't earn that land. They came across the Jordan in faith, and Elimelech's family inherited part of Judah, part of the land there in Bethlehem. Okay, so it was pleasant when God was on the throne, when God was king. Naomi's testimony that we just read when she came back to Bethlehem, she said, she said, I went out full and God brought me back empty. So when she was there in Bethlehem, married to Elimelech, she had her children, she had her family, they had an inheritance. Her own testimony is she was full. Okay, now in terms of the nation of Israel, in the time of judges, okay, God would raise up judges to rescue and rule over his people. And when those judges were alive and ruling, it was a time of blessing. The book of history, I'm sorry, the book of Ruth, historically, doctrinally, is its same place in scripture. So the time between the kingdom rule and the time when the judges rule, that's when Ruth is set. We know in 1 Samuel, this is when the kingdom rule began. That's the theme of the book of 1 Samuel. We read about this in 1 Samuel 8, 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. Samuel's the judge, and he's like, hey, guys, thus saith the Lord. He's up there. He's like preaching. Thus saith the Lord, and the people don't want to be led by that. They want a king. They said, nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like the other nations. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? You want to be like the other nations? Um, okay, so anyway, they did that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our bad battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the people, go ye every man to a city. Here's what, here's what God said. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I shall not rule over them. Okay, now hang on. Don't, you're getting ahead of me, Dempsey. So, so in the time of Judges, Israel was a theocracy. God was the king. They didn't have a king. Well, what if someone attacks us? Well, the judges, through the power of God, God would take care of their people. Does that make sense? So what happens then in 1 Samuel is, is they quit being a theocracy and they start having a king to rule over us. Elimelech means God is king. Okay, so Elimelech dies in the first chapter of Ruth. The nation of Israel stops being God is king, and they want to be like all the other nations. Okay, so then what happens in the book of 2 Samuel? That's where David's kingdom is established, and then 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. That's the story of the kings of the nation of Israel. Now, at the end of that time, Second Chronicles, <clears throat> I 
Let's see, Second Chronicles 17. So Israel mocked the messengers of God. They despised his words. They misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men. Oh, so the young men died. So, so just, so Elimelech dies in Moab where they're gone to another country. Malon and Kilion die, the young men die. Okay, so eventually Naomi and Ruth come back empty and bitter and broken when they return back to Bethlehem. This is exactly what happens. The nation of Israel turns away from God. God is no longer their king. They are no longer Naomi, pleasant and full and beautiful and favored. Now they're bitter and broken. But what happens, the nation of Israel goes into captivity. Just like they went into Moab, the family goes into Moab, they come back to Bethlehem, but now they're bitter and broken. That's what happened at the end of the 70 years of servitude, the captivity, when they come back under Ezra. In Ezra chapter 3, verse 12, the people come back, they're rebuilding the temple. They build the foundation of the temple, and there's a big party. But many of the priests and Levites and of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of that house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice. Because when they came back, it was nothing. It was nothing compared to what they used to be as a nation. Okay, so can you, do you see the parallels between the story of Ruth chapter one and what actually happens? in the next seven books of the Bible. It's the same story. Okay, so there's that thing doctrinally. Secondly, one thing that we want to see is all of the good things in Naomi's life. She says, I went out full. She had a husband, she had children, they had an inheritance. All that was lost in the world. Now, I don't want to get a show of hands, but it is very possible to just go for a little sojourn in the world, end up continuing there. Oops, where did that decade go? And you ended up living and abiding there. And during that time, you lost everything. You lost your family. You lost your job. You lost your driver's license. I mean, I don't want to show of hands, but there's some people in here. That's your testimony that all the good things that you had in life, you lost out in the world. Okay, here's the beautiful thing about this story. Ruth, Naomi comes back. She finds her way back home, praise the Lord. And that's some of our testimony. Man, I lost everything, or I could have lost everything, but then I came back, and now I'm back. What? Okay, so so that's... It'd be better if, if we never, ever wandered off. The important thing is we come back, okay? That's the beautiful thing. The only good thing that came come out of Moab was Ruth and the lessons that she learned there. But she did come back home. She came home just like Israel. 
Israel came back home in the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, everything was rebuilt. Of course, then they were scattered again, weren't they? But then guess what? They came back home. If you studied history, you, maybe you've studied Zionism, where all these Jews all around the world just had this unction. You know, I think I need to move back to, the, to Palestine, to the place which isn't a nation anymore. It's not, and they all just started moving back from all over the world. God called them back. You know, the, they, it makes you wonder how people can ever leave the place of blessing anyway. Like, how can it be that God did the mighty works that he did for the nation of Israel, bringing them out of Egypt? They saw the abominations of the nations. They saw those people sacrificing their babies to Molech and to Chemosh. They saw that. How could they then go back and worship those gods? How could they worship the gods of the, of the Egyptians and the gods of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Philistines? How could they worship Baal? How could they leave the God who had done so much for them to go want to be like the other nations? It's mind-boggling. So here's what Jesus told his disciples. Do this in remembrance of me. You know why we have to do that? Because we are that fickle. We will forget what God has done for us and go just be distracted enough to take a little sojourn off into the world, which ends up continuing there and then abiding there, completely forgetting all that God has done for us. It is amazing. But Israel disobeyed God. They were scattered multiple times, but they always managed. God led them back home. The prodigal son, look at Luke chapter 15 with me. The prodigal son, you guys know this story. Starting in verse 11, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. He went out full to another country. That sounds familiar. And he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there, there arose a mighty famine in the land. That sounds familiar. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would, have, he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. They wouldn't even let him eat the pig food. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go back home. Naomi heard that the Lord had visited them in Judah, in Bethlehem. And so she decided to go back home to Bethlehem. Here's the prodigal son. He went out full. Now he's empty. 
He's broken. The Lord hath dealt bitterly with him, he would probably say, but he's very humble and he comes back to his father's house. He doesn't want sonship. He just wants to be a servant. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, like the son gave it, he'd been rehearsing this, right? Dad, I know, I know, like, okay. Gave his rehearsed speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. You know how his father responded to that? Trick question. He didn't. He didn't even hear it. Here's what the father said. Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found and they began to be merry. What a beautiful, beautiful thing to come back home. I love this story. I love Naomi went back to Bethlehem. And this is the story for all of us as born again believers. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Here's what we see. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at the time ye were without Christ, being alienated from the com aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the co covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We were far away. We were aliens. We were destitute spiritually without hope. And here's what God did. He brought us home to himself in Christ. How did we get saved? Well, after a time in the world, we came back home to God through hearing and believing that the bread of life has come to Bethlehem. Just like Naomi heard that there was bread in Bethlehem and she went back home. That's a story for all of us as believers. Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled at Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. We read about that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 5. There's the fulfillment of that prophecy. And, and so what about us? Okay, so so in terms of Personal application. What are you going to talk about in your small groups? Well, we live out this same story in our lives in different ways. One we've already covered at the point of salvation. We have to come to Christ destitute spiritually. If I can't save myself, I am in trouble. I am far from God. I need that Savior who is the one born in Bethlehem. Okay, so... So we have that application if you're saved. 
So number one, forsake the world and come home to our Father. Now, this is what I want to present to you this morning. If you are saved, and I'm, and I'm just trusting that's everybody, so I'm just going to talk to you like you're saved. You have a Bethlehem, the house of bread. You have a home in Christ based on the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You were saved by believing the exceeding great and precious promises of God's word. Amen. The preaching of the gospel. It was the power of God and the salvation for you. Now, for some of you, that may be it. That's your entire house of bread. Okay. In John chapter six, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And then he qualifies that. He clarifies that and says, the words that I speak unto you. They, they are spirit, they are life. Okay, so <clears throat> here's what I'm saying. God's given you promises in his word. Amen? That's how you were saved. Now, for some of you, you also have promises that you're claiming in God's word that he has spoken to you privately and clearly through the exceeding great and precious promises of his word. You know what I'm talking about? So, so for me, I think about these in terms of an Ebenezer stone, a promise that God has given me in his word. And what I do is I draw a little stone in the margin of my Bible. It's like a little stone and I, and I shadow it. And I put a little grass at the base of it to give it context. So you can see it's a three-dimensional little stone right there written in the margin of my Bible. And every time I'm flipping through my Bible and I see that, that's a promise. That's a promise, an exceeding great and precious promise from God's word that he's given me. So listen, now when I, <clears throat> like Israel, like the prodigal son, like all the sheep that have gone astray, when, when I'm doubting, when I'm fearful, when I'm frustrated, when I'm discouraged, when I'm weary, I can go back to the word of God and I can see the promises that he's given me. I remember during the Lord's Supper how much God loves me. It is actually, okay, so I know we do this whole meditation thing and we're all doing introspection and we're, we're feeling bad for how bad of Christians we are. And then we, we take that bread and we take that juice it is actually the taking of the bread that's done in remembrance. I am doing this, remembering the body of Christ, which was broken for me. I'm drinking this. It is actually the act of taking that. It's like baptism. Baptism is the testimony. Okay, taking the bread, I am remembering what Jesus did. I drink the cup. I am remembering what Jesus did. And then it just brings to my mind how much God loves me. It brings to that remembrance is so good for us because the devil's always trying to distract us and discourage us. And what I'm saying here is you have a own personal Bethlehem that you can return to. And it's based not on your works. It's based on your faith. You trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ according to the word of God. And, and if you've been saved for any point, amount of time, you've been coming and you've been studying, you can open up your Bible and you can say, thus saith the Lord, if this verse is true, I'm saved. 
How many, how many of you can do that? How many of you can open your Bible and say, if this verse is true, I know I'm saved? Okay, most of us can do that, okay? You know what that is? That's your Bethlehem. That's the place to come back to when you're discouraged. That's the place to come back to when you've wandered off in the world for a little bit because you're like a sheep that's gone astray. God's like, hey, hey, come back. The shepherd calls and we're like, how did I how did I wander out from under the shadow of his wing again? And you know what you have? You, I mean, I got little pictures written in my Bible. That helps me remember. But I have a Bethlehem to return to. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my relationship with God through faith in Christ. Okay, so, so coming home, let's go to the next slide. Like, yeah, keep going, keep going. Okay, this is a heart issue for us. Returning home spiritually is returning to God the Father. So, yes, the hunger drove Naomi home. But what we're going to find is Naomi finds rest in the redeeming kinsman. What we're going to find is the prodigal son. We already saw it. He came home and his father received him home with welcome arms. So, yes, it was the hunger. Yes, it was the chastisement that drove him home. But the thing is, it's, it's a heart issue. Will we humble ourselves? And even if it means we're bitter and broken and empty, destitute of anything good in ourselves, can we just return unto the Father and say, God, it's me, your child. I'm back. I don't know how I forgot the goodness that you've shown to me. But somehow I did, and I was off in the world, and I got discouraged. But now, God, I'm back. I'm going to cleave unto you. I'm going to draw near again. It's a heart issue. Okay. So to stay in that place, we trust him with the circumstances of our life and we find rest. Psalm 34, 8. Haste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. So last thing, and then we're going to break them to our small groups. Every circumstance of your life. So I don't know what you're going to go do this afternoon. But, but it, you're probably all going to go nap or something. But assuming you're going to go do something and interact with people, okay, that's an opportunity for you to have fellowship with God. Let's say that whatever you do is going to involve a conversation, a, a communication with someone else. I can enter into that communication with a Christ-like biblical spiritual perspective. Okay, so the phone rings. Oh, Lord, give me the grace so that Chris doesn't come through, but Christ comes through because I'm low blood sugar. This is where Chris comes through a lot. Oh, Lord, help me. Okay, that's a spiritual mindset. Help me to reflect Christ because your word says I'm not supposed to be hasty. I'm supposed to be slow to speak and quick to hear. And God, when I'm low blood sugar... I get that thing backwards. God, give me your grace. And I approach that conversation. God, I pray that it would be your words, not my words coming through. Does that make sense? That conversation, the next time your phone rings, that's, a con, that's an opportunity for you to have fellowship with God as you function biblically. Does that make sense? We tend to not see our lives this way. We come to service. We sit through a sermon. It's like, are you ever going to shut up? And then we like go home. 
No, listen, the reason you are to get discipled, the reason you are to learn the Bible, the reason you are to teach others is so that we know what to do when the phone rings. Because if you don't know what the Bible says, you cannot live biblically. I have to know this book because I have to know how to live in faith and walk in a way that I'm trusting God so that he's in control, he's in charge. That's called walking in the word. That's called walking in the spirit. That's called being led by the spirit. That's, that's spiritual versus carnal. That's how we stay in that place of fellowship. It's also called walking circumspectly. Oh my goodness. Let's draw near and stay there by living biblically. What a cool thing. Okay, so, so finally, last thing. I said last thing before. This is the last, last thing. Ruth and Naomi, they go back to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. They, they go back to Bethlehem and they find themselves in a time and a place of harvest. And that's what we need to do when we come to God and we come back home to his spiritually, we need to see our world as a place and a time of harvest. Dispensationally, you know that. We're in the church age. And Jesus is saying, look, the fields are white unto harvest. I wish we had more laborers. Let's be laborers in that field. We need to see the world as a field to be harvested. The only thing good in there is what we take out of it. The lessons you learned there, the hard way, amen? Don't want to go back, except I have to go back. I got to get Ruth out. See, she's lost. I, I got to go into the world and get souls out of it. But otherwise, there's just lessons learned the hard way out there. We need to see the world at the field. Make sense? Okay, so here's, here's our points of discussion. <clears throat> what's, what's your Bethlehem? What are some promises that God's given you that if you will remember them, it will encourage you? It will, it'll help you to draw near to God. See, I can't draw near to God and ignore the promises he's given me. Neither can you. I can't draw near to God and be hard-hearted enough to forget all those Ebenezer stones throughout my Bible. What, what is your Bethlehem? What has God given you? What has God promised you? And then are there some areas that, that, oh man, I need to come back spiritually, come back home to my Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. I just ask, Lord, that in our small group time, you'd help us to connect and, and, and maybe, maybe fill in the, the blanks a little bit, connect the dots of the things that you're trying to show us through our fellowship and small group time. Now we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, so just break up into small groups and, and uh, share with each other.